Wildlife officials say the black bear population in western North Carolina stands at about 8,000. That's eight times the estimated total of just 40 years ago. And as many living in Asheville can attest, bears have found a bountiful home in the city's neighborhoods. We have so much unnatural food sources for bears. So not the berries, not the things that bears would normally eat, but they can get into a lot of people's trash in Asheville. And that's really one of the big things. I think bears are in the surrounding areas, the green space, and then they come into Asheville and say, oh, wow, look, there's a lot of food here. I'm Matt Pikin. My guest today is Karen Zatkalak, a reporter with WLOS-TV. She was among the journalists who produced stories for the station's recent Bear Week. We'll talk about the factors leading officials to pivot from a strategy of boosting to curbing the region's bear population. We'll also talk about some findings in her reporting she found surprising and get details about a controversial black bear center in Cherokee. They say to never buy a used car without really looking under the hood. Jennifer Thomas says the same goes for real estate. Jennifer is a licensed geologist in Asheville who thrives on digging up the dirt. If you're investing in commercial property, call Jennifer first. She'll conduct phase one environmental assessments, investigate the ground for contamination, and oversee any necessary cleanup. For details on what Jennifer brings to the table and to the land, go to LLC. C.com. That's J-E-N-N-T-E-C-L-L-C.com. I began my conversation with Karen Zatkalak by asking what inspired WLOS to devote an entire week of stories to black bears. Everybody has a bear video they send in. Everybody's talking about the bears. And I think for a long time, it was the numbers were getting more and more. But then it got to a point where this is happening all the time. We're having bears in downtown Asheville. Everybody's having to deal with bears, even in neighborhoods that you used to not have bear activity in. So the thought came up of let's take an in-depth look of where we are in the bear population and all the other things that go with that. How are we living with bears? What should we be doing? What should we not be doing? What are the bear rehab facilities like? There's also this bear facility in Cherokee that one of our reporters looked into, just developed into this idea of let's really take a hard look at the bear situation in Western North Carolina. It's interesting, and this is the way a lot of good journalism happens, is born initially through observation and anecdotal information, and then doing reporting that either supports or maybe contradicts some of the thinking. What did you find in your reporting that either surprised you or was something that just went against what common wisdom might have been around bears in Western North Carolina? Yeah, I think one of the things was I didn't realize a lot of the history of where we were with black bears decades ago. So in the 70s, it was struggling. There weren't a lot of black bears, and there was actually a big push by the state to increase the black bear population. Yeah, I thought that was interesting. I noticed in your story in particular that they had counted or estimated about 1,000 bears Mm -hmm. in 1981. And so you flip it 40 plus years later, it's multiplied by eight times. We estimate Mm 8,000 bears now in this region. 
What are the contributing factors to that? There's a couple things that are really huge. First of all, as we know, we're in a mountainous area, right? We're surrounded by state forests. We're surrounded by mountains, green areas. It's just an area that, as one of the folks I interviewed said, it kind of funnels bears into Asheville. Can you talk about that a little more in terms of the funneling? Because most people would think, and I was really surprised that there were urban bears. When I first moved here in 2017, I thought bears just stay in the forest. They wouldn't want to come into the core city. What is this funneling element that brings bears into the urban environment? Yes, good question. That kind of goes along with the other big reason why we have so many is that we have so much unnatural food sources for bears. Unnatural. Exactly. So not the berries, not the things that bears would normally eat, but they can get into a lot of people's trash in Asheville. And that's really one of the big things. I think bears are in the surrounding areas, the green space, and then they come into Asheville and say, oh, wow, look, there's a lot of food here. Right? They can get to a lot of people's trash very easily, very quickly. It's a highly populated area for such a small space, and they can just get so much food that they wouldn't be able to get that they have to work a lot harder for in the wild. Wasn't that the case before the 1980s, though? I mean, there were lots of people here then, too, not 90,000. Asheville was the populated city in this region. What changed to have such a dramatic increase in the population? A couple of things. I think, first of all, we should note that statewide and really countrywide, the bear population is growing. So it's not necessarily just we're not unique. Black bears, even on the coast of North Carolina and throughout our state, and also I think in other states as well. But the other big thing that happened was when these bears started eating a lot of the trash that was out for them to get, they started growing really quickly. And that was another thing that really surprised me. So the urban bears in our area grow about twice as fast as most black bears would in a rural setting. And so when most would start reproducing at age three or four, ours start reproducing at age two. Wait, wow. Okay, so not just growing physically, but developmentally, they're developing sooner. Is it primarily or exclusively because of the unnatural food sources? That's a big part of it. Right. So as they're, as bears are getting bigger so much quicker, they're developing, they're maturing at such a quicker rate that then they're able to reproduce at a quicker rate. So you were saying how the, there was an effort to boost the bear population some 40 years ago. When was it seen that this is a problem that we need to reverse? I think that's been very recent. And in fact, when we did this story just recently and the state said, yeah, we're actually trying to stabilize the population, that was the first we had heard of that idea, that this is now getting to a point where, okay, there's a lot of bears here. We need to actually make sure that we have that number under control and that we're not getting too many bears. We're right now growing at about five, in our area specifically, about 5% a year. And they would really like to see that the state at 0%. We have the amount of bears that we should, that works well in an area like ours. And at this point, we should be stabilizing that population, plateauing it. And it would be nice if there weren't a huge increase in bears at this point. Tell us about what some of the problems are or some of the accompanying problems when the bear population reaches the level that it is now. One thing for sure that several people mentioned, of course, car accidents. We hear about that some. They're crossing the interstate. They're crossing areas, busy roads that a lot of us drive on all the time, and that can create the possibility for accidents and killing bears in that way, which we 
don't want to have. So I think that's one thing. The other thing is just making sure that the bear, the black bear population shouldn't really be eating as much unnatural food as it is. And so we just want to make sure that we don't change that too much, right? They should really be eating what's in the wild and not focusing on the bear, the food that we have within the city limits. What power do we have as individuals? And is, are there things residents should do differently to discourage this, the bear population from feeding? Yeah, I think the making sure that they don't get into your food is a huge one making sure that you have put your trash away or get the trash locks on your trash cans outside. I think that there's a lot of information. That's where the BearWise program came about. How do we live with bears? How do we make sure that it's okay for both of us, both the bears and the humans in our area? And I think the food thing is really the biggest hurdle that we have to deal with. I know city of Asheville is working and they just passed an ordinance. They're trying to make sure that we can do everything we can to make sure that the bears don't get into our trash because that's only going to bring more of them here and further this idea of this population just increasing exponentially. The thing about trash is kind of interesting. You know, anybody who has trash cans out is susceptible. Mm -hmm. And I kind of look at it as I don't have a lock on my can. Mm -hmm. And I think of it as, oh, I'm just lucky if they get in once a season or so. Mm -hmm. But I kind of count that as like part of the cost of living in this town. There are people who lock their cans up and you see all kinds of contraptions and pulleys and some of which the bears can get into. (laughs) Really? So is this something that when you talk about the BearWise program, who enacts this program and what are some of the key points in BearWise? Yeah. So the state is the Wildlife Resources Commission is behind the thought of it, but there's bearwise neighborhoods, there's bearwise areas. So neighborhoods themselves can actually say, I'm going to be proactive and get the word out to my neighbors that this is what we should be doing. And there's some different tips and things that they can learn about. But I think that, like you said, maybe once a season, that's all that a bear gets into your trash. But ideally it would be zero. So anything we can do. And the other thing too, is just warning people. I think for us, for you and I, who've lived here for a while, it's second nature now to see bears, to know to put your trash away, that sort of thing. But there's a lot of people still moving into the area who this is completely foreign. There's black bears in my neighborhood. What do I do? How do I do this? So I think a lot of it is the education piece. There's, we looked at the hotline numbers for how many people call into the state hotline. 40% of those calls about bears come from our area, from Buncombe County. The whole state. So a lot of people are calling in saying, I saw a bear. I think a bear is hurt. What do I do around a bear? But got into my trash. What do I do? So there's a lot of folks, I think, in our area who are still trying to figure this out, who might live in areas where the bear population wasn't roaming before, wasn't living before. And now, as we learned in this investigation as well, that they're spreading into other areas that they haven't been before. They've always been in Black Mountain, Kenilworth parts of North Asheville, but now they're in East Asheville, West Asheville, Candler, Hominy Valley. All these areas are seeing bears that haven't seen them before. Yeah, I know you had a map on accompanying your story and it said, here's, and there, were, there was color coded. It was like the whole area. Yeah, basically all of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It looked like the measles. It was everywhere, yeah. all the dots you had on there. So you talked about, you were alluding to some of the impacts and some of the dangers of this growing bear population. You mentioned that the unnatural food sources lead to greater population and that there's hit and runs with bears. What are some of the other costs, some of the other tangible elements of this now overpopulated bear situation. I think it just gets to a point where we have so much of a, such a dense population in the city limits and even outside as well, that obviously it has to get to a point where 
there'd be too many. And the interactions between humans and bears. And right now, fortunately, black bears are not an aggressive animal, but you just don't know. And that's one thing that we kept hearing when we were doing these stories from wildlife officials is you never want to do anything that could possibly trigger a bear, right? They're small kids. You just don't know. And the other thing that they learned, especially through some of the research, was bears are these bears are adapting, right? There are urban bears now, not rural bears. So they're changing and they're adapting and they're developing. And we want to make sure that they stay in, in the areas they're supposed to stay and do what they're supposed to do naturally rather than changing them into a different type of animal. Yeah, you just talked about the difference between urban and rural. And one key difference is not a fear of people in the exactly. same way. I hike with my dog out on the mountains of sea trail all the time. Mm-hmm. We see bears out there. It, they behave much differently than if you see one on a road here. Exactly. And, you know, that's not good for the bear or the people. The Overlook is giving away two pairs of tickets to see every magnetic theater production for the rest of 2023. Just sign up for The Overlook's free newsletter. Go to podavl.com newsletter and plug in your name and email address. Anyone registered by the end of April is eligible. That's podavl.com, P-O-D-A-V-L.com newsletter. And who knows, I might see you at The Magnetic. So you mentioned an effort to curb population that they want to see 0%. What are some things that the state or forestry people are doing to help stabilize the population? A lot of it's revolving around hunting regulations. So changing that, harvesting bears is a big thing throughout the state, but especially in Western North Carolina and also on the coast. And this is something that when they looked at the data of the bear population, those were two areas where they noticed that it was really growing exponentially. And so they tried this on the coastal regions and saw that changing the hunting regulations, allowing more bears to be harvested each year, really did make a difference in what they were seeing on the coast. So they're trying to do that same thing here in the mountains. I'm not a hunter. And the very notion of hunting bears, I don't know, I find it not arbitrary, but if it's not subsistence hunting, I think if we're just trying to curb a population, isn't there, aren't there different ways? I don't know. I just can't help but feel that's a, that's an extreme measure. Has there been any pushback that you've been able to document on the hunting of black bears? Not that we've heard so far, but I think, I think we're in this weird place right now where the bear population's kind of at, at a max in our area. And these are some notions and things that are just now starting to be discussed. This research is coming out about how quickly these urban bears are growing and reproducing. And so we're kind of a bit of a precipice, I feel, in terms of where we are and how we're going to handle the situation. And so I think that's something that's going to be discussed. And I'm anticipating that we will see some pushback a little bit as people start to realize that, okay, if we really want to make sure that the bear population is stabilized, we're going to have to do some extreme things to do that. Now, just to be clear, or maybe clarify for us, there are areas where you can't hunt bears. You can't hunt in the urban core, oh, right? Sure. right? Yes. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> Not like going out into downtown Asheville. Correct. Right. Correct. But when you look at the, the harvesting data for the state and for our area specifically, decades ago, there was a couple of hundred bears harvested in the mountains every year, and now it's in the thousands. Buncombe County, Haywood County, a lot of those areas where hunting is allowed, those, that's the areas we're talking about. What are some other things that came out in your reporting that were uh, you know, kind of surprising? 
the fact that the bears that we have in the past couple of decades by the amount of food that the bears have eaten in Asheville have grown so quickly and are basically doubling the population compared to a rural black bear was surprising. The other thing was just realizing, and I personally live in an area, we live very close to a bear trail, so we see bears in our yard and my kids are used to bears walking right down our sidewalk. But just the fact that these bears live in dens that are not what you would think as caves and the mountains and these sorts of things, they can live anywhere in just a small area of a fallen over tree, a hole in the ground. And they are so close to us. They're so close to the interstate. They're close to downtown. It's unbelievable where they can den and live really right there with us. I've wondered about that. Where are these bears that we see on our streets, where are they staying? Now, is there a roaming radius? Like when we see a bear in the urban core, are they living and roaming just within a mile of its, of their den? Or Yeah, I asked about that. I think for the urban bears in our area, it is like one or two miles. And basically, it's just where they can go. If they can only go a small distance and get food for themselves and their cubs, then that's all they need to do. They really don't roam farther than that. And that's another thing that they noticed with these studies and tracking the animals, like you said, with that map that we showed, that they can really have a pretty good handle on rural bears would walk much farther. They would have a much bigger radius. But in in Asheville and in closer to the city, they really don't have to go very far to do all the things that they need to do. And once they discover that their food sources unnatural or otherwise are plentiful, there's no incentive for them to leave. Exactly. Right. So where are they denning? Where are they staying? You mentioned it could be a fallen over log. It can be a small little hole. Are there dens like right outside people's houses? They can be. One of the folks we interviewed said it could be someone didn't realize there was a gate open underneath their house, like their crawl space area there's been a bear there and someone would realize that, oh my gosh, there's bears underneath my house and call this hotline and report that. So yeah, there are reports of that right off Charlotte Street. There are some dens, which is just feels unbelievable because you think they should be so much farther from us, but they are right here, right around us. So talk about what happens when you call the hotline. Let's say you come across a bear den there's a hotline. What do you do? What happens? They will walk you through what to do. We heard that most of the time, it's just an education piece, telling folks what to do. A lot of the calls that they get are about, some are reporting just bear activity or something going on. Some are reporting an injured bear, perhaps. I think this bear might be hurt. And then some of them are just sightings. I saw a bear, which, you know, (laughs) and it's obviously at this point kind of, you know what to do. But yeah, they will walk you through. We learned that very, I think it would be a situation where there's a bear living under your house, they would come out and respond oh, and they will. do some things to, you they know. They don't just tell you, hey, we, put out a trap. Right, you know, right, right, like right. That. No, but I think those cases, they will come out. But a lot of it, like I said, is just in, in the folks we interviewed commented on, there's so many people moving to this area that while there are a lot of people who are used to the bears, there's people coming in from other places who have no idea what to do. So they're still getting calls of, I, I just saw a bear. What do I do now? That must be just exasperating for people who are manning that hotline to get, I saw a bear. Well, like, okay. There's 8,000. So yeah, the chances are good. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So aside from battening down your trash, what other things can people or should people be doing? You know, I think the other big thing is just to be aware of the distance and how we interact with them. We don't want to do things to scare them off. We don't want to do things to disrupt the way that they're living their lives. We kind of want to, if we can, just try to let them do their thing and do our thing and just make sure that we keep that balance where 
they kind of leave us alone and we leave them alone. And we don't want to do anything to aggravate them. Just make sure that everybody stays within their own their own bubble, if you will. Yeah. Are there behavioral tips like that people should just know if the bear is facing them and they're facing a bear? I think really just to not do anything drastic. I don't think there's any specific thing. I think you hear about things with other types of bears. But I think with black bears, really, unless you do something that's really going to be crazy, they're most likely going to just walk away. And we kept hearing that over and over again, that they are not aggressive animals. They don't want to be aggressive. You don't want to run toward them. You don't or want to run toward cubs. Your, their cubs. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Definitely the North Carolina Wildlife Resources Commission. They have this helpline that you can call in and they have tons of information online. This is a big part of their program and this is a big thing that they do. And they, I was surprised to learn how much and how involved this black bear program is. The education piece of it, the bear wise part of it, having these bear wise neighborhoods and areas and also just any information that you need, you can just call on this hotline and get anything that that you need. Is there anything we haven't talked about around Bear Week, your particular story, anything that you became aware of that you think is interesting or important? One of the folks we interviewed talked about the car accidents and bear strikes, that's a part of this as well. And we didn't look specifically at that data, but that is happening a lot more. And I think that as development continues, and there is going to be more cases of that as well. You were just talking about the Cherokee Bear Zoo. I don't know about this. So this is a facility in Cherokee that has, I believe, eight bears that they keep there. And it's not one of those places that's advertised and that does a lot to bring people in, but it's there and it has bears in there that are kept there. And so one of our reporters, Hannah McKenzie, looked into this and went and was able to get some video with permission from one of the employees there. We didn't actually hear back to speak to the facility who owns the Cherokee Bear Zoo, but she did talk to other experts in this area who said this is not okay. These animals are not being kept in a good condition. This is something they should not be living like this. They're basically caged in a cinder block building and kept in there. And so there have been a lot of calls, and this is something that's been discussed in the news for years in the past as well about this particular facility. But there's a lot of questions now swirling and a lot of controversy over whether these bears should be allowed to live in this Cherokee Bear Zoo and what the regulations, what the laws say about bears kept in conditions like this. Is that still a question? Is that murky? It doesn't feel murky, but it does make you wonder how a facility like this is able to stay licensed and stay open. We've requested the records for that. We tried to reach out to the facility and talk to them as well, and they declined an interview. But again, these experts are saying this is not okay. This is not following the provided regulations and what should be happening for bears and for wildlife in our area to be kept in a facility like this. The Cherokee Bear Zoo, you said, was one of the impetuses for even doing this series. That's right. Yeah. When we learned about this, it got us thinking about what, where are there other areas like this? This particular facility, I think, is unique. But we also, Ty Russell, looked into the rehab facilities and found out that there are only rehab facilities for young bears. So that was another thing that was discussed as well in our area specifically. And then we also looked into the Bearwise program, what that's teaching folks as well. So all the different facets of black bears in Western North Carolina. Is it a public zoo? Can people pay admission and go to this? Or It's on the side of the road in Cherokee, and I think that they're on display there, and I think that they can. I think wow. that they used to have veterinarians there. That's one of the folks who we interviewed who said it's really disturbing, the way that they're treated, the way that they're kept. And so it's just a sad story.
I want to thank my guest today, Karen Zatkalak, a reporter with WLOS-TV in Asheville. Today's conversation happened inside the BB Theater in downtown Asheville, which owners Susan and Giles Collard have been so gracious enough to open to me to record my interviews. Our theme music for The Overlook, Maker's Song, comes courtesy of the Asheville band The Resonant Rogues. The Overlook is a production of Podcast Asheville. Don't forget, we're giving away two pairs of tickets to the rest of the Magnetic Theater's productions for 2023. To be eligible, just sign up for our weekly newsletter at podavl.com. Also, please vote for The Overlook as Best Podcast and for me as your favorite radio host in Mountain Express's Best of WNC survey. I'm Matt Pikin, and I'll see you on the next episode of The Overlook.